going to begin this morning in Isaiah uh, chapter 46. But one thing, and I, and I shared a little bit in Sunday school about this, but one thing I guess um, God is, is teaching me and one thing I'm learning is not to react to external stimulus. Um, we talked about last week about God's mercy and, and His grace and we're saved by that mercy and grace. We bring nothing to this table. Uh, remember, this is a gift from God uh, so that man cannot boast. And that is to be our focal point of worship. That's to be our focal point of our relationship. Not our obedience. Not, our, not anything that comes after that. But there's a lot of stuff that comes after that due to a natural um, uh, redistribution of who we are. Okay, I mean, he, he makes us into a new creature and he puts all things together and we're to look at things how he looks at things, not how we look at things. Okay, so we got to stop allowing people to influence us. Uh, the world can't influence us. Our coworkers should not be able to influence us. Our family should not be able to influence this great gift that God has given us. That's why it's so important each morning to start out with him. Uh, so that you can embrace what's coming this day. Uh, the Bible says don't worry about tomorrow. That today will have enough trouble in it. And there is trouble in our days. Just because we're children of God doesn't mean we don't have trouble. It doesn't mean that we don't have persecutions and tribulations and, and things in our lives. One thing you cannot do is change people. Hear what I said? You can't change family members. You can't change coworkers. You can't change your boss. Uh, you can't even change yourself. Uh, this is something that God does, and that's that great gift that he gives us. He seals us with the Holy Spirit and gives us that helper to be somebody different. So that we don't allow the outside world to affect us. And so many so-called Christians or so many so-called children of God. Um, their lives are so affected by people around them. That it affects their fellowship with God. Again we read in, um, uh, in Sunday school lesson this morning about. You know the church was in favor with the people. It wasn't that the people were in favor with the church is that the people were in favor, or the church was in favor with the people, meaning that that is a one-sided act that we have as children of God, is to not, to always be in favor. Why are we always in favor with everyone? Is so that we hope and we pray that God will, will allow them to come to the saving knowledge of who he is. This is something that's given to us by God, not something that we can merit or earn. So I know that we pray for a lot of folks, but what are we really praying for? Have you ever thought about it when you pray for people? What do you really pray for? Are your prayers everlasting for them, or is it something fleeting? Uh, do we all know that we all die? I don't care how wealthy you are. I don't care how good of an athlete you are. I don't care. This, this outer body decays. But the inner man should be regaining new strength. And through that, as we become more mature, then God allows us to be able to throw off these things that affects us. Um, people affect us. And, it, and it's a difficult, it's a, it's a maturity step in our walk with God 
that's very difficult to grasp that I cannot allow these people to affect me to the point that it affects those that are around me. You know, my boss comes in and says something derogatory. How does that affect my rest of my day? Well, if I start with my quiet time and, 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 and God is pleased with me and, and we have had a worship time together, then I'm more able to withstand those type of remarks. Does that make sense? Because only that I'm pleasing to God that matters. And because he is pleased with what's in me, see, he has caused the pleasure in me, not me caused the pleasure in me. So he is pleased with what's in me. So understanding that and letting that be my focal point for my life will allow me to, to um, not uh, react to these people that are around me because it will destroy you. And God and Satan wants it to destroy your fellowship, not only with him, but with people around you. Um, sometimes we just got to let things go. Uh, God intends to let things go. He even wrote it in scriptures when the people rejected the, the disciples. What did he tell them to do? Wipe the dust off their feet and move on. Um, you know, we can still pray for folks. Uh, and I hope you pray when you pray for folks, when you ever pray for somebody, that there's a spiritual reason for your prayers. Physical deliverance doesn't give us and do anything for us if we die and go to hell. And so we as the church not only need to be the feet and be willing to be the feet to our prayers, um, but we also need to have some spiritual. Oh, pray for this person. He's on hospice. What are you praying for? I mean, just exactly what do you pray for in somebody that's on hospice? I mean, you see the point I'm making? If this, die, if this person dies and goes to hell, then I don't care what my prayers were. You know, we need to refocus on, you know, what we're doing here as a church and what our purpose is, as being the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is a spiritual purpose that people are born again and have a saving knowledge of who he is. And we're to lead people to that. I was able to drop off some Bibles this week to a lady that asked for some. For her daughter. And I also got one for her. I got her the New American Standard. Because I first told her that, you know, first of all, you've got to watch what translation of Bible that you pick up nowadays. Because man has tainted it and turned it into what he wants it to say instead of what God wants to say. And I told her to throw all of her devotion things away. I said, tell her to quit listening to men. Don't listen to any denomination. Don't listen to any man. But get alone with God and God's word with a pure, contrite, broken heart. And listen to what God has to say. And that's the way it should be every day for us anyway. But I'm beginning begin in Isaiah. And saying all of that, we're going to get to Isaiah here. Um, 46, beginning verse 8. Remember this and be assured. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. You know, and this is uh, God speaking through Isaiah to the nation of Israel. Um, they had began to worshiping false gods and had turned their backs on God and all the things that he had done for them. And, you know, he's called them back and said, remember this. Remember the former things long past. He says, for I am God and there is no other. I am God, 
and there is no one like me. You see, and I think this is the most difficult thing is to understand that God is not like us. That God thinks totally different than the way that we think. So then we as a church gather together and we start using human reasonings on how to carry out his work. Um, that's where we fail. Because God doesn't look at it. He doesn't love the way that you love your children. He doesn't uh, work in our lives the way that we work um, in everybody's lives. You know, sometimes he breaks us down completely. Uh, he destroys us. He takes everything from us because he doesn't want us to spend eternity uh, in his wrath. Um, he doesn't want us to, to experience that second death. So his love is much greater than our love. His love prevents us from experiencing um, the outcome that's going to happen to those that don't believe. Um, and so he allows some pretty significantly terrible bad things happen in our lives and yet that's him loving us okay the biggest problem we have is we think love is always helping somebody love is always enabling somebody and that couldn't be further from the truth from the love of God the love of God is so that you recognize and you hear from him so that you don't perish and so um, there is no one like him and we need to start beginning to look at life the way that he looks at things there's nobody like him you can't compare him to anyone. Uh, he is unique um, in, in who he is. And so he has written the scriptures so that we can understand that uniqueness so that we're to operate not only our own personal lives, but the life of the church is supposed to be operated the way that God sees it. A man doesn't work, a man doesn't eat. I mean, that's really simple. We live in a society that we want to help people to not work. We want to help them to enable their laziness. People are inherently lazy. Uh, you are lazy. I am lazy. And so we have to work on that because we want to take the easiest way out. Well, God says the easiest way out may not be the best way for us. Matter of fact, he puts us through persecutions and trials and tribulations and the testing of fire so that we what so we know who we are so that we pass the test so that we know that we are his so that we can withstand um, all that goes on in this world and looking at things from a different perspective we as a church need to begin to look at things from a different perspective not what makes us comfortable most people come into a worship and they say well the pews are hard the, the, the temperature's too hot the temperature's too cold uh, I don't like the songs uh, boy it just doesn't appeal to me boy I just don't fit in here uh, well you know what just about had enough of yourself you know we need to get enough of ourselves that we make ourselves sick to be honest with you this is about him does is he pleased with your worship or are you pleased with the worship and that's what we have to answer to ourselves are we pleasing to him or are we doing this to please ourselves? have we set things so in order and I'm talking generally in this world. Have we set so things in water, order in worshiping God that we're really just pleasing ourselves? And we walk away feeling good about our worship um, instead of God feeling good about the worship he's receiving. Because see, if you're not worshiping in spirit and truth, he's not receiving your worship. 
So therefore, you're worshiping in, in vain. And that's why he writes this. There's nobody like me. You're not going to get this. I want to be worshipped. I demand to be worshipped. I have created um, all that's in heaven and they bow down and they never stop saying holy, 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 holy. You are worthy. I mean, non-stop. And we on this earth have a hard time giving him any time to worship. Because it interferes with our busy schedules of this life. That we forget that it's really all about him. And it's too late to find this out once we pass. He goes on to say, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times which we have not, not, done, not been done. Saying, my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Again, looking at God's sovereignty. Now you can be a part of this, or you don't have to be a part of this, but God will always accomplish his purpose. He created this world so that man could fall, so that he could send his son, so that he could redeem us back to himself and become his righteousness, so that we could praise and worship and glorify him. And I think we forget that. We're to be creatures of worship. <laughs> and when you are born again, you become that creature of worship. Not only from a corporate worship, but private worship. And Terry said, well, you get it upset if somebody raised their hand in church I said no I don't I get upset when people raise their hand in church but they don't raise it at home by themselves do you get what I'm saying a lot of people like to raise their hand to Christ when they sing so I, out of a, as a spectacle look at me look how religious I am if, if you're doing that at home by yourself when nobody's looking and you do it here I'm okay with that but when you do it just in corporate just to show people how religious you are then there's a problem. Do you see what I'm saying? You see, we, we, we create this thing called worship and say, God, you be pleased with it. That's not what he says here. He says we're to do it his way and he's going to accomplish his ways. The church's purpose will be accomplished whether you participate or not. Whether you come in here and worship or not. Whether you live your life in the way that God has directed you or not. His purpose is still going to be accomplished and he's going to destroy this world with intense heat and he's going to call all of those that uh, when, when, when he tells Christ to come back, the, the dead will raise first and meet him in the air, his, his purpose will be accomplished and he will bring all this together and, and we will all put our crowns at his feet and say, holy, 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 you are worthy, y'all. You did create us for this purpose that we might come to worship you. Um, and it's all your workmanship. We bring nothing to the table. And he'll accomplish it. Okay? Uh, if, if Paul hadn't been obedient and done what Paul did, uh, somebody else would have. Um, if you don't go to someone that God is trying to use you to, if I had not dropped off those Bibles that this lady asked for, surely somebody else would have. 
Uh, God doesn't need me to drop off Bibles to somebody, but he uses me to drop off Bibles to somebody, and I get to participate in his purpose. Do we understand that God is sovereign over all and whatever he deems will happen? And when you begin to pray for somebody spiritually, some devastating things may happen in their lives. And are you okay with that? Are you okay with somebody going to heaven instead of going to hell, but living a horrible life on this earth? See, this is the, the bad taste in our mouth of the God that we don't want create that, that, that we don't want to be existing. But this is the God that does exist. Read the scriptures. Read them from, from Genesis to Revelation. Don't miss a word of it. And if you haven't read the scriptures all the way through, every single word, and you call yourself a child of God, I have to doubt what relationship you have. From the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation, he has truth to explain to us and tell us. And you cannot grow apart from the word of God. And you don't need to study it. You need to let it study you. And God reveals his truth to you. Calling a bird of prey from the east. I can do that. The man of my purpose from a far country. I can do that. Truly I have spoken. Truly I will bring it to pass. I have planned it. And surely I will do it. So you look at the truths that God writes in scripture and when it says that the ruthless, the unrighteous, the homosexuals, the idolaters, uh, the greedy, the pride in heart will not inherit the kingdom of God, he will bring that to pass. They will not inherit that. He will not change his mind. His compassion only goes to a certain length and extent. And that's if you do what he says. God's compassion is not a compassion uh, of, of, well, well, you tried. Well, I appreciate your, your, your efforts. God doesn't appreciate our efforts. And, and this is where we get so mixed up that we think that somehow that God is pleased with our efforts. No, God's pleased with his efforts. And when we receive that Holy Spirit, then we have the responsibility to use the Holy Spirit in our life to direct us into these truths. They're not pretty truths for, for humanity. But they are pretty truths for humanity because we're talking about eternity. We're not talking about how comfortable you live on this earth. God's love has nothing to do with how comfortable you are on this earth. God's love has nothing to do with that. Prove it to me in scripture. It's about eternity. It's about the sinful nature of man. And, and, and he's, it's about, you know, what did he tell them at Pentecost? When, when he said, wow, when, when they finally heard, when, 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 when they finally were pierced to the heart by hearing the word of God. And understand, when you hear the word of God, it will pierce your heart. It will, it will cause a reaction in you. And they asked, what must we do? And what was the first thing that out of Peter's mouth? What was it? Oh, you weren't in Sunday school, were you? You don't know, do you? Oh, it, it's repent. Turn away from your wickedness. Get on the same page with God. See things the way that God sees them. 
bring his truths into your life which then allows you to be able to do what I started off not allow the effects of this world to affect who you are but who you are affects everybody else see we're supposed to affect everybody else not everybody is supposed to affect us I'm not supposed to compromise who I am so that somebody likes me I try to be in favor I try to be peaceable but when the opportunity comes and they ask and the Holy Spirit has gone before us and the truth has to be told it's going to cause some problems in your life it's going to cause separations in your life you cannot be friends with the world or your enemy of God I'll bring it to pass I planned it surely I will do it listen to me he calls them a stubborn minded people he calls it like it is <laughs> see that's the other thing about God is he calls it like it is when your kid lies you call him a liar oh that sounds bad that sounds hard we're gonna hurt the little guy's feelings well how will the guy ever know that lying wrong if he doesn't know he's a liar how can he confess that he's a liar if he doesn't know that he's a liar when you've told him he's not a liar your responsibility if someone lies is to tell them they're liars oh that's harsh God's harsher you think that's harsh God's harsher than that stubborn minded who are far from righteousness I bring near my righteousness how did he do that what's he talking about who's the righteousness of God Jesus Christ is and Jesus Christ was made sin understand he never sinned he was made sin that's different than sinning he was made sin on our behalf that you might become the righteousness of God so he brought the righteousness of, of himself near to us because the word became flesh and dwelt among us and my salvation will not delay it's his salvation not yours do you ever think about that See, we, I think we claim a lot more than we realize. Well, my salvation. No, you were saved, but it's his salvation. <laughs> I, I think we've got to see, see how we've all messed it up. It's his salvation. He brought Christ down to earth. He allowed Christ to live that sin of life. He allowed Christ to be that substitutionary death. He allowed that. Christ didn't have anything to do with this. He just allowed him to participate in God's plan. Wow. Christ can do anything without God. I think sometimes we put so much on Jesus Christ that we forget that it's God's salvation. And he gives it to us. But it starts from him. my righteousness not far off and my salvation will not delay and I will grant salvation to Zion and my glory for Israel at some point he will call the nation of Israel from all corners of the earth at some point and he will save that remnant that he has promised to save we saw that we sang that song mighty is my God there's nothing he can't do well that song is an error I know something God can't do God can't lie.
So that song is wrong, okay? Uh, we can still sing it, <laughs> but understand that it's wrong because there's one thing that God cannot do and he cannot lie. The scriptures tell us that. I didn't come up with that on my own. Let's look at 1 Samuel um, chapter 12, 20 through 25. So again, understand when we look at God's word for its intention is not to get history, but to get truth. He uses people to bring godly truth to humanity. It's okay if you want to do the history, that's fine. History, you're still going to go to hell if you know all the history of Israel, if you know all the history of the Bible, you're going to die and go to hell, okay? History does not save you. History does not give you anything but knowledge about what happened in the past which can't save you, okay? The history doesn't do anything. But there are truths in that history that God will reveal to you that can lead to your salvation. Samuel said to the people, Do not fear, you have committed all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. At this particular time, Israel had decided they wanted a king. They didn't want God to direct them anymore. God gave them a king, and so this is where this picks up at. You must not turn aside, for then you would go after futile things which cannot profit or deliver because they are futile. For the Lord will not abandon his people on account of his great name, because the Lord has, has been pleased to make you a people for himself. For the Lord will not abandon his people on account of his great name. It's not about us at all. <laughs> it's not about us at all. It's about his great name. He didn't save you because he loved you. He saved you because of his purpose, which is out of a righteous love. Does that make sense? That's a hard one to understand. Okay? It's a hard one to understand. This is all being accomplished because of his great name not because of you. It's for you in a sense. Let's not be accomplished for you. It's been accomplished because of his great name. See, it didn't matter what Israel did or Israel didn't do. The accomplishment of God is going to happen because of who he is. If I am his workmanship, he will accomplish that in spite of me. If I do what he tells me to do, deny myself daily, take up my cross and follow him, put on the armor of God. How often? Just on Sundays? Daily. And if you're not doing what God says, it's not going to happen for you. But understand the great truth here is that it's not because of what we do or don't do. It's because of who God is. This is all because of his great name that we're to fear, respect, deem as holy. But see, when we can't see something and we can't touch something, we're not made with that inherited ability to be able to appreciate all that he's telling us here.
But it's through that new birth experience when we receive that Holy Spirit and we're sealed that we begin to see and understand Scripture and understand these truths that it's not about me at all. He saved us for His good pleasure. It says in Scripture, I saved you for my good pleasure, not for yours. You were bought with a price. You're not your own. See, we don't want to put all the Scriptures together that give us the full uh, recognition of who God is and what He's doing in our lives. We want to take bits and pieces that make us feel comfortable, make a doctrine out of it. And that's why we've got all these different religions. Because that's exactly what man's done. Instead of bringing all the truths of Scripture together and understanding the purpose and the plot of, and the plan of God in our lives, we get bits and pieces of it. God said, Don't, we're not to do that. We're look, the first word in Genesis to the last word in Revelation have spiritual meaning. Moreover, as for me, far be it, this is in verse 23, that I should sin against the Lord. This is Samuel saying, far be it for me to sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, but I will instruct you in the good way and the right way. So Samuel knows his responsibility. He can't change these people. He can't take their stubbornness away. But he can pray for a spiritual insight and a spiritual opportunity to bring them truth. That's what you should be praying for people when you pray for them and their physical needs. You ought to make sure that there's a spiritual need there. Uh, just because they go to church don't mean they're saved. Just because they acknowledge Jesus Christ doesn't mean they're saved. Because they've had a water baptism doesn't mean they're saved. But you should pray not only for yourself, but you should pray for others that, that they are spiritually sound and spiritually true. And that God would give you the opportunity to share with them. And would you be willing to share with them? Would you know what to share with them? That may be the most frightening, frightening thing. Maybe God's not using you in this, in this realm, in this role, because you yourself don't know what you would say or do. God didn't save you just to sit here and do nothing. God saved you for his purpose, to accomplish his purposes. But he's going to continue to instruct them in the good and right way. And then he says what? Only fear the Lord. Wow, look, look how often that keeps coming up. Do you fear God? Because if you don't fear God or if you've never feared God, then you don't, you're not saved. How do I know that? Because it says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. The beginning of knowledge is fear of God. And without the knowledge of God and the, fear, and the wisdom of God, you can't know God. Because the wisdom of man cannot know him. The wisdom and, and the intelligence and the pride of man falls short. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our ways. Remember we talked about that? Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth. 
how. Don't skip the words of Scripture with all your heart. This doesn't mean haphazardly. This doesn't mean when it's comfortable for you. It doesn't mean when it works out for your busy schedule. When it, when it, when it, when it fits what you think it should be. Okay? This is not a smorgasbord where you just get to pick your relationship and you get to pick what you want. This is a, a, a seven course meal that he gives us and it's here, 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 here directed by the Holy Spirit and doesn't deviate from the left or the right. It's pre-planned in the way that God says you have to do it. And if you're not doing it with all your heart See, a lot of people will do it just, well, I'll go ahead and do this and I'll, I'll come to church. And, you know, instead of being the church, they come to church. Um, and, and, and they'll give money. You know, people like to give money um, because somehow they think that they'll get money back and God will bless them more. Um, or God will be pleased with them because they gave their money. Uh, God's not pleased with God. That, why does God need money? Have you ever thought about that? He created something from nothing and you think he needs your money? Boy, have we come far from truth in this world, haven't we? Of course, y'all get more money, I get a bigger airplane. That little bitty one y'all got, I can't get in it. I've tried three times. I bet, well, if they gave me a small airplane, God's going to make a miracle. I can get in there. It doesn't happen like that, folks. I don't need an airplane. Don't need your money. God needs our heart. That's all he wants. He wants to give us something that we can't do for ourselves which lasts eternity and yet we've made all this, this, this smog that people can't see their way through it because they're not using scripture. They're listening to man. gotta stop listening to man and you better and it's not too late there's a lot of folks that are that are older more mature in, in in a physical sense that have not heard these truths their whole life that they sit in a church and it's never too late to go to him and say I want to hear from you The length of time you come to church does not equate to your salvation. God can accomplish and will accomplish his purposes in spite of us.